0: Hi, welcome to Offscript. I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Today on the show, we're talking about John Wick Chapter 4. It, I think it's our first formal review of a John Wick movie on the show. Uh, Andy talked about him briefly when he re- rewatched him not that long ago. Uh, but we actually saw it. It's my first one I've actually seen. So we're going to talk from, from somebody who's seen them all and somebody who hasn't seen any of them. <laughs> um, whether or not John Wick chapter four is all three
1: hours tell. for your first outing. Boy,
0: yeah, what, and what a first outing it was. We're also going to talk about Shazam two. Uh, came out just last week. Shazam Fury of the Gods is the formal name. It's been four years since the last Shazam movie. Does does the superhero still hold water? Can they can they capture the lightning in the bottle that made the first one so exciting? Are they out of gas? Uh, We're going to talk about some trailers that are coming out. Uh, Pixar's got a new trailer out for their new feature. A new movie from Paul Schrader came out today. And actually, believe it or not, tomorrow, Wes Anderson's new trailer is dropping for Asteroid City. But we're we're doing this on a Tuesday because that's when we do the show. And before we get to all that, we need to get to the news. All right, first thing this week, uh, Apple is about to spend $1 billion getting into movie theaters. What is this about? Uh, From the studio that makes Ted Lasso, uh, apparently... Getting into theaters is a big deal. We talked about this last week with Amazon. Uh, Andy, wh- wh- why does Apple want a piece? Wh- what's happening? There's a two-pronged attack
1: for this, this reason. Uh, number one is to get more subscribers. Apple feels like if they do some theatrical releases, they'll create a bigger footprint, make more awareness, because they only have about 30 to 40 million subscribers as opposed to like 250 million that Netflix and Disney Plus have. Uh, so they feel that they can market the streaming service a little bit better by making a footprint in the theatrical space, but also they're looking to be heavy hitters in Hollywood. They want Apple to be as you know synonymous with like Warner Brothers and Lionsgate and Universal, all the these storied studios, and so they they want to put uh, Apple on the map in Hollywood, and so they they want to spend and they want to kind of combine both you know, do you have a streaming strategy, theatrical strategy, combine it all. And also there's just more money to be made in in theatrical like that, that they've been trying to figure out how to make streaming profitable. The answer is go to theaters.
0: Apple Plus is in a weird place because it's like the $5 service, right? Like Shutter, which is also 5 bucks, And $5 is low impact, but then when you actually open the library, when you subscribe and go look, there's not a lot of content there. It's pretty lean. And they're filling it out, and they're getting stuff in there. There's some good shows. Ted Lasso, Severance, I Heard Pachinko is really great. Uh, but... They need, they need they need something, right? Like, they, they need an angle here because all these giant companies are figuring out that making streaming content is really expensive, so you've got to start getting return. And Apple and Amazon seem to be chasing the theatrical game, which is interesting because Netflix seems to lean away from it. Uh, when we saw Glass Onion for the show, we had to go see it in, like, this tight one-week window <laughs> when it was only running in 600 theaters in the U.S. That's how we saw it theatrical. Otherwise... Netflix wants it on Netflix. They want you on their platform. Um, wh- why do you think Netflix is leaning away from this while Apple and Amazon lean in, Andy?
1: Well, they've 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 said that you know they prior- prioritize their subscribers over anything over over theatrical and the. They were accused of leaving a lot of money on the table with Glass Onion uh, because that movie was so popular. And if they would have done a proper theatrical run, they probably could have made a huge amount of money on that, and then put it on their their service anyway. But they're but I think also being a leader, they don't have to worry as much about they don't have have to worry about gaining new subscribers as much as everyone else. Um, but it it's it's definitely it's an interesting thing that's developing because we were talking not long ago. About, is this the end of theaters? Is the death of theaters imminent? And it looks like maybe not yet.
0: Um, I think one of the things that excites me the most about this is the people Apple works with, right? Like, they've got a decent stable of directors that they want to start putting in theaters, uh, including uh, Martin Scorsese's new feature, Killers of the Flower Moon, which is weird. Scorsese's on a streaming service, but keen listeners of the show may remember that uh, he did The Irishman on Netflix, which is now a Criterion Collection film, and it's good stuff if you haven't seen it uh Leonardo DiCaprio's uh I'm sorry Matthew Vaughn's new spy thriller Argyle Matthew Vaughn director of uh what those Kingsman movies right Mm -hmm. that's what he's that's what he's had going on if I remember correctly and Ridley Scott's new feature Napoleon about the French Conqueror uh but all big big movies uh all theater all movies you probably want to see in theaters so I don't know. I guess it's a good thing that they're doing this, but I'll be interested to see if Netflix pivots at all. I mean, they're kind of the big bad here. I would hope they, I don't know, either jump at the opportunity or decide they're going to go in a different direction, but we'll see. Uh, In the meantime, we'll be going to see Martin Scorsese's new flick in a theater, if possible, because Apple's spending a bunch of money to break in. Uh, Our next story, anything else on this, Andy?
1: Um, Other than Apple is, is, like you were saying, spending a ton on big projects with big stars, and big stars seem to do better about getting people into theaters than they do getting people to subscribe to a service. Like it's much more exciting when uh like they're developing this F1 racing movie with Joseph Kosinski, who, who directed Top Gun Maverick and Brad Pitt is in it. And that's a better sell in the theater than it is on a streaming service.
0: It's funny. Cause on the, on the theatrical production side, Universal is doing this over like Warner brothers. Universal has added Christopher Nolan, uh, Jordan Peele, the Daniels are all on exclusive universal deals for the next like three films. Uh, uh, what's his name? The barbarian director. Did he get picked up at universal? Craig, Craig, I think he might be, he's got to deal with someone for sure. Yeah. Like they are doing the same thing. They're grabbing big talent and they're like, Hey, (laughs) you're going to do stuff for us. And I think Apple is smart that way. Uh, whether or not their theatrical strategy pans out, uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to wait till we're seeing the big Apple TV plus logo pop up on a on a theater screen. Uh, our next story this week, we got to talk about Jonathan Majors. <laughs> Jonathan Majors uh, was arrested Yeah, Man's dude. Fumbling. <laughs> he is huge bag fumble. Uh we need like an alarm. Like bad bag fumble alarm. Uh, Jonathan Majors was arrested for alleged assault in New York. Uh, this happened just a few evenings ago. Uh, it was domestic violence allegation. Uh, with a 30 year old woman. Uh, TMZ has some theories on what they say was happening. They said he was in a cab. It was with his girlfriend. They got in a fight. He tried, he, he put his arms on her, like put laid hands. Uh, injuries were present. Uh, he was arrested subsequently let go and then arraigned the following day for charges of assault. Um, it's it's not looking good for our up and coming star, right? Uh, Jonathan Majors recently was in Creed three. He is Kang. <laughs> both of those and... are still in theaters right now, dude. <laughs> I mean, two two of these Ant Man and Creed were in theaters at the same time, and he's 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 the big bad in both of them. Like that is a big deal, uh, a- Andy. What what the hell's happening?
1: Uh, well, like you said, uh, there were domestic. Violence charges brought uh, towards Jonathan against Jonathan Majors, and um, we're not going to get into the details and the gossip about that because that's not re- what's really important. The big thing is how this affects the movies uh, right now that he is in. He is essentially supposed to be carrying this next phase, maybe two phases of Marvel on his back. Kang is the the big bad guy, and you know the next Avengers film, big Avengers film, uh, is Avengers: The Kang Dynasties. So they're betting all on him uh, and it's (laughs) so what happens if um, you know more comes out about these things uh, these allegations but also there's also surfaced some stories uh, about him from directors and actors that apparently he's like a terror to work with like being really abusive towards other people on set and so it's all kind of spiraling at the same time the U.S. Army pulled uh several commercials that that started uh jonathan majors or that he was doing promotion for
0: the u.s army thing makes me laugh so bad i know it shouldn't but there's something so like endearing about it that just gets twisted on its head i mean there's there's obviously a couple of problems here number one somebody might have been hurt which isn't okay okay like number two uh annie and i have been praising this guy for like months Majors is a talent, right? Like, I think we first saw him in, what, Spike Lee's Defy Bloods. Uh, He's great in that. Uh, Lovecraft Country was probably the first place we actually saw him on HBO. He's the lead in that. Uh, He's now Kang. He was in Loki uh, at the end of the show on Disney+. Plus. Uh, Ant-Man. Creed. Michael B. Jordan says he's going to be, like, his Pacino to, to Jordan's De Niro. Like, he's doing Magazine Dreams, which got a lot of attention at Sundance, which Andy and I are excited to see. Like this is not a good thing. Like this, this sucks, man. Like <laughs> I think, I think the kid's got talent, uh, but if he's got a temper, it's not going to work. And I know I, people have said that if you are in good with casting directors, that is like currency in Hollywood. But I think it's really easy to fall out of favor, especially when people like the U.S. Army are just immediately pulling your ass <laughs> on the off chance this might be legitimate. I mean, it's it's wild, man. And I I, I don't know how Disney. I mean, how how soon till they pivot, right? Christine was just asking me for the show. She said, how long do you think till Disney I've, says he's I've out seen or not? I'm like, I'd give s- him a week or two. I mean.
1: Someone sent me uh, the screenshot of, of like bookies in Vegas are already betting on the replacement. And it's That's people crazy. like John John Boyega, Lakeith Stanfield, like people like that are, are you know, are, who knows? Man. Um, th- but the other thing is, is gonna be interesting to watch to see how far the studio will go to protect their asset because as as we look at Ezra Miller <laughs> who was the real life terror from the DC universe like multiple arrests like crazy stuff uh Warner Brothers stepped in and uh got him help uh which is a good thing like he he went to started going to like therapy or uh Rehab something, but, but he's, he's been good for, cause he was kind of out of it for like six months. There was like every other week, there was a, a headline of Ezra Miller being in trouble with the law. So we'll see what magic Disney Marvel does uh, to, to address this. And we'll see if Jonathan majors sticks around and, and becomes the, the star that we hope he will.
0: Real split on the Ezra Miller thing. I mean, I split in the way that like, I don't think Warner brothers should probably be working with them. I know people say, oh, he shot the whole movie. Nah, man, they had him back for reshoots. We talked about it on the show. Like, <laughs> they have gone out of their way to like paint him and do a little PR and just be like, Hey, we just need to get this movie out. Everybody be cool. Odds are he will not be working with them after that, but things are unclear. As for Jonathan majors. It's also unclear. It's worth mentioning. Uh, his representation says he's done absolutely nothing wrong. And they're looking forward to this, uh, charges being dropped imminently. Um, I don't know. We'll we'll report on it more as we find it. But for now, uh, you may be seeing a lot less of Jonathan Majors, a rising star that burned out clearly way too fast and probably too hot. Uh, With that, we need to move into our next story before we wrap up uh, and move into movies. Uh, John Wick Chapter 4 is just blowing out Shazam's legs at the (laughs) box office (laughs) man's man's on his knees, uh, with a huge box office opening this weekend for the fourth installment in the franchise. Hard to believe, honestly, having not seen any of them hard to believe it did this good. Andy, what are the numbers?
1: Uh, John Wick chapter four came in at 73.5 million, which is a best for the series. And every movie has made more than the last. The first one made like $14 million. It was a very small movie, and it just kind of became this cult hit. And every entry since that, uh, John Wick uh, 3 made around $50 million. And so it's really rare that a fourth movie is the best in, in the series box office-wise. And meanwhile, uh, Shazam totally tank-dropped almost 70% in its second week. Uh, that's pretty bad. Uh, th- there's conversations about is the the superhero fatigue uh, setting in because uh, Ant Man has also kind of been disappointing. I don't th- I don't think it is. These have just been two kind of mediocre movies and it shows. What happens if you don't bring much better stuff, especially when we have better films to choose from?
0: Yeah, I, we were just talking about before the show started. Um, I was reading somebody on film Twitter said, you know, <laughs> Marvel's out here trying to make Ant Man three. And meanwhile, American audiences are seeing the likes of Avatar and Top Gun and RRR and even something like John Wick 4. And it's like, it just doesn't, comic book movies are not measuring up anymore. And like, even if you're going to be something endearing like Shazam, which got a lot of warm reception when it came out in 2019, right? It's been a minute since the sequel. And I think people are just a little tired, right? Like, I think super fatigue super fatigue, starting to set in. Uh, one thing I did see... That I think might be a good, like, real measure of of where people are at is I want to see how what Guardians three does. Do people turn out for Guardians three, or does it get the same kind of fall off as everything else has? Because I think that one's supposed to be a bit premium. And for what it's worth, like people turned out for Spider Man. Okay, so clearly it's not Deadsville out there. I think, dude, just audiences want the smoke. Like they got they got to have something better than just like your generic Saturday morning cartoon comic book film.
1: That's part of it, because when, when Marvel first started, we got one film a year, maybe two, uh, kind of in that first phase. In four years, we got six films, and that led up to the big group group film. Uh, so they were doing a lot less, but each film was much, much better than a lot of the... It's almost a quantity over quality right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, and Marvel's got a quantity problem. This year, they're supposed to have, what, four, five like, full features coming out. I think the next one's supposed to be the Marvels, which, like, we've heard nothing about. Like, I, I just... I don't know, man. I, I think they might be trying to pivot. That would be my best guess. Uh, there's also been some shakeups ups in uh, Marvel's tent, of course. They just had Victoria Alonso leave, which is apparently turning into a whole thing over there that we're not going to get into. Uh, they've got their new CEO, which is their old CEO, Bob back. They're making cuts. Like, they're they're trying to do something, but, like, it, it just may be a little a little little too late like for the money they're spending on these features i know ant-man 3 is what not supposed to make back like what it was originally right so this is a really strange phenomenon as well so ant-man
1: 3 opened up the best of the the ant-man series um and then it's steeply dropped off and is not going to make more than it's it's uh at least the the previous movie um, which is, it's very strange to start off so strong and then just completely fall off. Um, because I, I think something like John Wick chapter four is going to have some really good legs.
0: Yeah. Uh, it, it, I mean, <laughs> it's definitely, definitely had a great start. And I know that like second week fall off is like a big, big measure for me of like how things do. Cause if a movie is not doing that well, it may have a fine opening weekend, but then like nobody comes back in week two. Ant-Man had that problem. Shazam has had that problem with that should probably just talk about John Wick 4. Uh, Andy's taking the summary on this one, um, which is perfect for me, because I'm going to be honest, it's a little dense sometimes. I mean, not seen <laughs> these movies. To a little intimidating. But uh, it's... It, it, well, shoot, Andy. Take it away, please.
1: John Wick, Chapter 4. I don't sit at the table. Your family does.
0: Please pray for me.
1: So we pick up right after the events of John Wick, Chapter 3, Parabellum. Uh, which I, despite seeing very recently, I don't remember the end of uh, because the the <laughs> events at the very beginning of John Wick Four lead o- lead off of uh, the previous film, and I just could not remember where we were. But the plots of all the, of all the John Wick movies is basically the same. He is an assassin in this underworld of assassins, and he is persona non grata. There is a contract out for his name he is trying to shoot and kill his way to the top and uh get out of of the life get out of the 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 lifestyle but uh he's got to kill a whole lot of people uh to get there along the way we meet some fun new characters we meet Donnie Yen's Kane who's a a blind assassin who's brought in to uh, take down John Wick himself um we have uh Bill Skarsgård who is the Marquis de Gramont who is the kind of just new, large and in charge, big bad in the movie? And then we have some familiar faces. We we have Lawrence Fishburne as the the Bowery King, who's who's like the homeless assassin leader, <laughs> and and Ian McShane a, as the hotelier of uh, of the Continental. There's a whole lot of lore, strangely, in these movies. It gets really into like the the world and the rules and and the uh, um. The relationships and, and the traditions, which is funny. It's always funny to me that there's these assassins who murder people, but they're like, no, we have rules. We have to live by. Um, of course. But, but that's our setup. It's almost three hours long. It's a lot of fun. Zach, what do you think?
0: So going into Shaz- Shazam, going into John Wick 4, uh, I was, I was th- thinking I was going to get two things. Number one, very good action. Right. That's what John Wick is praised for. That is fundamentally the, the legs that have carried the series as far as it's gotten. I figured that action was going to be great. And number two, I was not going to understand the plot because uh, I knew it gets weird. I, I've seen the first half of one uh, and I never really got through the rest of it. I fell asleep. All right. It's not it's not complicated. <laughs> and um, and and I haven't seen two or three, but I know it gets a little kooky. And when we went and saw this, we went to Animal Draft House, love Draft House, and when we walked in during the pre-show, they had uh, this, like, explainer of, like, here's a reminder of everything that happens in the John Wick series after John Wick 4, so you're ready right before the movie starts. And we walked in halfway through them explaining John (laughs) Wick 3, and I was like, I have no idea what is going on. I know there's this family and a table and Ian McShane's in it and Lawrence Fishburne's in it, and I don't really know what's going on, but I know it's complicated, right? And so I figured getting into this, that would be the case. I feel very good in saying, uh, as a new viewer of John Wick, it is not that complicated. Thank God, like, they, they, they appeased me. It's not too twisted. There's a lot of characters, uh, but all the relationships are really simple. It's not actually that dense on dialogue, and the action really is better, to, better than I thought it would be. Like, fantastic work uh john wick four is a lot of fun despite the insane runtime and that is that is high praise from off script (laughs) (laughs) despite the nearly three hour runtime this is a fun movie but it is uh john wick four is great i'm excited to talk about it i need to go watch the other movies
1: right so i'll start with the the runtime because i was a little skeptical about this too i thought it was i was like it's gonna be too long there's no way they can keep your interest but it actually ma- does manage to do that, and and they do that by m- just moving it along quickly. They they don't have a lot of like slow and dead parts. Like there's action, but it also is just paced really well. Um, I started to feel the time a little bit like halfway through the third hour, but up until then, it it, it just moves along really quickly, and we find John Wick uh, going to to Japan and to to the Japanese continental. Uh, assassin Hotel, where where we meet, uh, Hiroyoko Sanada's uh, character, who he's good friends with, and that's the other thing. John Wick has friends in in the industry, and John Wick have, knows everybody. Yeah, yeah. But and there's this thing about debts, and it, you'll see a lot more of that in the actually the second and third ones. It's about like, no, I did this thing, and here's this item, this token that that signifies our this our blood pack that you have to help me in this time. Um. So it just moves that when we get exciting set pieces in, in Japan, in uh, Berlin, in, in the whole last third, I think, is, is in Paris. And so it, it just moves along and, and has a really good pace despite the, the runtime.
0: I think uh, a lot of the plot in this film yeah, is lifted by um, just how fun the action sequences are. Because um, not only are there many, they're long. They're long sequences. Uh, I saw somebody clock uh, one of the fights in this movie, one of the ones towards the end at over like 35 minutes from like first bullet fired to the last one, which is insane. And like being able to keep that pace effectively and not just constantly stepping on the gas is done with good choreography, fantastic stunt work. Um and, and decent like little breaks in there, right? Like when John's got to reload or he's got to change weapons or somehow adapt to his situation. And like it makes for exciting action that's laid on top of a plot that is a little dense. Like as a newcomer, there's definitely some relationships I didn't really get. I didn't really understand who these people were. I knew John Wick was in trouble and somebody's trying to get him. That's pretty much what I needed to know going in. And what's funny is a lot of that goofier stuff, a lot of the... Like, you owe me a blood debt, the family at the table, the marquee, whatever. Like, a lot of that does read on the page, like, pretty, pretty goofy. But, like, I don't know, like like a photo that, like, you turn the saturation all the way up. Like, you can't help but, like, like what you're seeing because it looks so good. Like, fantastic set pieces. Great production. Like, great, uh, what am I trying to do? Great sound stages they're shooting on in productions a production design uh, um, like they, this movie was expensive and like every dollar is on screen. Like even when he like, John is just like in a room chatting with Donnie Yen. Like if you're watching the Facebook live, you can see it. Like they're in a cathedral with a million candles <laughs> like just for the simplest thing. So even like a conversation that isn't like particularly exciting, like it's just visually gorgeous to chew on. Like, and that I think is such a great barrier um, for somebody who's new and doesn't really know like what exactly they're getting into, because you don't have to worry so much about who owes who what, like it's not that complicated. Like yeah, <laughs> like uh, like like just the bullet time tenant. Yeah, don't really don't don't overthink it. Like just 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 watch it and enjoy enjoy what's on display here.
1: So what I wanted to say about the, this first act is that there's a lot of like kung fu movie tropes that that are thrown in that, that like that's what the first third uh, almost the first half feels like when they're in in Japan cuz there's like oh you know the uh again the blind swordsman which is basically basically Kane's character Donnie Yen and then just the, the way p- characters talk to each other there's like the old friends turned enemies there's the you killed my master i have to get revenge there's all it's heavily heavily it's black influenced blackmail oh yeah um Buy by old Kung, Kung Fu movie genres and, and tropes and modernize and put into this world. And it just works so well. It, it works so much better than, than I had thought. like I, I, I turned to Zach during this first act right before the first big action uh, set piece. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's about to start. <laughs> it's about, like, <laughs> it's about the to go build The buildup is so good in that that first act. And it just also just looks so cool. Like the John Wick universe has done a good job of making everything look like the coolest thing you ever saw.
0: Yeah. Uh, this obviously is due to, I think, uh, the fantastic direction of Chad Stahelski who's at the helm. Once again, uh, he's directed all of these features before that he had directed nothing. He's a stunt man that that is primarily where he comes from stunts. So when he makes a movie, he's like, it's going to be stunt heavy. And it is, in fact, one of the things that surprised me about John four is how little counter Reeves's character actually speaks. Uh, I think he has the least speaking lines out of any of these movies. That's what I'd read somewhere. Um, Maybe not by time, I should say. John Wick 1 probably has less, li- less lines just because it's a shorter feature. But uh, he doesn't talk a lot. And it kind of works perfect. Uh, I was reminded very much of, like, early Terminator. Like, Arnold Schwarzenegger could not do big drama, right? Like, when he wanted to get into acting. But he was a big, burly man who looked bad, right? Like, you did not want to mess with this guy. And he did good action. So, for Terminator 1, they were like, hey, man, don't... <laughs> You don't have to talk a lot. You're going to have very few lines. In fact, if you're kind of low and rumble, like that'll be fine. And it'll have better effect when you do speak. You're just going to focus on action. And Keanu Reeves is kind of in the same boat. He doesn't need to talk a lot. This is the fourth feature. And it made more money than any of the prior ones, by the way. Like clearly people are not showing up for his epic line delivery. In fact, some of those don't even work that good. What works well is how awesome he is in all of his action scenes. I mean, not only is he getting beat up on camera, and I read somewhere he said he did, like, 90% of his stunts. Don't know how approximate that is. But, like, a lot of these stunts aren't only big, effective set pieces. They're long takes. Like, multiple minutes on screen, moving through rooms, clearing areas. Like, really cool ideas. Getting hit by cars. God, he gets hit by cars a lot in this movie. (laughs) Which, apparently, happens in a couple of the other movies. Yeah, Um, John Wick is, like, dude, he gets beat to a pulp. Yeah I I
1: was uh, listening to an interview uh, with him and and uh Chad Stahelski was also part of the interview. Apparently he's so good at the stunt work. He's like almost as good as the stuntman. Like a lot of the driving he just does he can do it himself. Like he can do like the eight, the reverse 180s in in the car. He can drift it and like so it, they're like well we could use a stuntman and maybe they do because of insurance but like he can do it Just as as well, and just because he's been doing it for so long, he's been an action star for so long, but especially these movies where it's a kind of specific type of, uh, you know, gun gun foo that they call.
0: I do think one thing worth mentioning is, like, just how deep the bench is for the cast list. Um, There's a lot of characters, which at first was confusing just because I was like, who exactly are we (laughs) Who exactly are we working with here? And on top of, yeah, like Keanu Reeves, right, the titular. I know Andy already mentioned a bunch of them, but worth mentioning again. Donnie Yen, Lawrence Fishburne, late Lance Reddick. I had it up on IMDb, but then I lost it. Clancy Brown, Ian McShane, Bill Skarsgård. Really fantastic group of people. Uh, Hiroki Sonata, uh, Shamir Anderson, an exciting new role. And one thing I think I liked is not only does it not go to the trouble to explain every little thing about every person here, uh, it also does not necessarily like wrap up perfectly everybody in a bow because, as the movie says, this is a chapter. This is like one of what is supposed to be a larger story, right? This is one thin slice. And honestly, like a lot of good old action movies, like they don't have to explain who everybody is, right? I don't, I don't need to know the backstory behind every guy on the helicopter and Predator. I just need to know what they're going to do and that they're all big bad dudes and that things are going to happen. Like, and John Wick Four managed to thread that needle. Really well, like it, it manages to give us people who are exciting, very charismatic. They do rad things, and then they kind of duck out. And it, all right, cool, like we're, we're on to our next thing. It makes a three-hour feature feel like more of a more of a ride because you don't know what's coming around each corner. And like surprisingly, that doesn't end up feeling rote. That doesn't end up feeling stale. It ends up feeling like a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, the, that's one of the real impressive things about this movie is it is a big cast. But every time you see a new person. You're gonna recognize him every time they come back on screen. Like Kane is blind. He wears these sunken glasses. He actually had CGI sunglasses in the first scene, which I thought was hilarious. Like oh, I didn't to, place avo- that. That's great. to avoid glare, they they would definitely had some CGI on his lenses. But you know, he he's the blind swordsman and he he fights. He he he's in charge of things, but he also fights and he's like in, in you know, he's like Daredevil, basically. Um Clancy Brown, who is the Harbinger. Uh, Clancy Brown's a big guy. He's like 6'6". Six, six. And again, you know him every time. Bill Skarsgård is the marquee, immaculately dressed. They just they do such a good job of introducing new people, having them be really different characters and looks, and, and you remember all of them uh, throughout the movie.
0: I, one thing I wanted to mention before I kind of wrap up, because I am running out of things to say, but I want to talk about things that are memorable uh, in this feature, because I, I was thinking about like, two hours into it, um, you know, you've seen a few set pieces. You've seen more than a few action scenes at this point. Like, you've seen some rad stuff. And there's really great visuals and really great set design and really great actors. And I was thinking, like, what's going to jump out here that I'm going to remember in, like, a decade, right? Like, not, not like, memorable, like, you're doing dishes next week and you remember, oh, yeah, it that a cool scene in John Wick 4 or something. That, like, really is exciting. Like, what's, what's going to happen here that's really different? Um, keep an eye out for a scene... <laughs> <laughs> it's an action set piece uh in the third act that is really stunning. Really stunning work. Like man, if they could if they could do more creative things like that, I'd be really excited. And I don't know if John the other John Wick movies have that, but one thing I do know John Wick 3 had was a lot of mysticism, which I'm hearing uh I don't, I don't know. I don't Andy did, did people go for that then cuz that's not really No, present it, here, it was, and I think it's better for it.
1: So the second movie, I think, hits the sweet spot if it gets into the lore a lot more, but it's not ridiculous. The third one kind of goes off the deep, and yeah, and he like goes on this, you know, drug field trip out to the desert to some guy who sits above the table, and he makes a deal with him to, you know, so he doesn't die, and then gets back into it. It's it gets really kind of weird in that third movie, and they dialed it back here to be more about like relationships and debts and that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I think it might be, I think it's a really good mix. I'd be anxious to go watch John Wick 2. I'm sure is fine, but like I said, I, I saw the last half of that little explainer, like, here's everything that happens in the John Wick movies. and 3 looks real intimidating on, on the surface. Like, oh God, it looks like there's a lot going on there, but I don't know, it's probably not that bad. Uh, all in all, I had a lot of fun with this movie. I think I'm ready for recommendations. Andy, any, uh, any other thoughts? Well, the last
1: thing that we have to talk about is, of course, the action. That's why it's the big sell. That's the main reason people go. Absolutely. Um, I I was a little worried because I was like, well, I've seen three of these movies. Is it going to get old? Is, am I going to get tired of watching John Wick beat people up? And it really doesn't um, because they find new and exciting ways uh, to kind of present, present these things. Uh, They have these really cool sets. Like I said, the first third is like a, a, a Kung Fu movie. And there's, uh like there's there's no guns it's all like bladed weapons arrows like that kind of things so you, you got really cool um bad guys to fight it's almost too cool i was saying this i was like i think that opening uh it's like a 20 minute action sequence i think that that's actually kind of the coolest part in the movie the first in the first act but is it they the, sorry there's just so many different set pieces and they're all so good uh, there's fights in Paris. There's a fight in a club in Berlin. Uh, and it, they just keep it um interesting. There's cars. There's guns. There's fisticuffs. There's like, like I said, bow and arrow, bladed weapons, everything else. And it's just uh, it keeps you excited the whole time.
0: Yeah, it's really something else. Like I, I really, uh, I I think uh, the action and and really the production design like is jumped out at me in this movie. Some of those some of some of those fight scenes are in, like in the most bananas of places. Yeah, this like art gallery hotel in 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 Japan, uh, with this like insane lighting that flows about the whole place. Uh that Berlin dance like nightclub is so great. It's like <laughs> it's like in this room that's like covered in waterfalls and like people are dancing despite the like, insane amount of gunfire. Like just bananas, like just just wild stuff, and yeah, any anytime I thought this is too goofy, I didn't care' because like I would see something that was subsequently awesome and it would it wouldn't matter. I mean once it, it's like if you just turn something mediocre all the way up to eleven, you stop caring that it's mediocre because it isn't anymore. suddenly it's turned up to eleven and it's really fantastic, and like that and tremendous action makes genre four a really fun time like i I really enjoyed it. Any other thoughts? uh no, I'm ready. Andy, would you recommend John Wick Chapter 4?
1: Absolutely. Highly, highly recommend. Especially if you're a fan of the series, you're going to love it. The runtime isn't too long despite being almost three hours. It's exciting. It's fun. It's got a lot of dark humor. Uh, We've got a lot of fun new characters. It keeps you engaged the whole time. And if you've never seen a John Wick movie before, you can just jump right in. Like That's the really great and kind of unique thing about it.
0: Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Like having not seen any of these movies, I can say confidently, it is intimidating because it feels like there's a lot of lore, and that runtime is scary. Don't worry about it; (laughs) it's not going to bother you at all. Uh, It's a ton of fun, and I think if you're a John Wick fan, you're going to be really pleased with it, Um, whether whether you go for the mysticism or not. Like I think this movie does something really cool. Um, I can't wait for what's next. I, I know they got God. They're talking about a universe now, right? Like de armis is doing a thing, and I heard something about a limited series they want to make. Like this is this is quickly getting eaten by the Hollywood machine and becoming like a multifaceted universe. Uh, I'm gonna have to go back and watch two and three, and I guess one. I didn't need to go back and watch one, but I feel like God, one has got to be so far removed from the movie I just saw, right? Like. There's yeah, no well, it's, I mean, it was <laughs> a tiny wouldn't... film, it was yeah. a tiny
1: film, like the action isn't as good. The effects aren't as aren't as good. It's it's a little bit of, of a chore to get through. And I mean, that movie is almost 10 years old now, so it's a little dated in its look. But um, the second one is, is is really good. The third one is really good production wise. It just gets kind of weird. Uh, but other than that, it's phenomenal. We're going to be getting a lot more of the John Wick universe for uh, years to come.
0: Yeah, like one I think is such a simple idea that you could spoof it, right? With somebody like nobody starring Bob Odenkirk, which is a fine movie, by the way. Um, but like nobody can spoof this. Like John Wick 4 is doing something really tremendous. Uh and it's good stuff. I can't wait to see more. And speaking of things we wanna see, uh we gotta talk about trailers. So some upcoming stuff. Andy, you mind uh introing this for me? It's time for
1: the trailer part so we have several trailers to discuss we got three on, on our menu we're, we're going to start with elemental which is the new P- disney pixar film uh we see we're introduced to this world where there are elementals earth fire wind water heart captain planet not quite but <laughs> but we get those four main elements and they live separately this is what we learn: water lives with water Fire lives with fire, earth, and air. They don't interact because they're dangerous, you know. Uh, they, they can hurt each other, and so they spread apart. Uh, eventually, we see a, a water character accidentally interacts with a fire character, and they develop a friendship, and they get close. But, of course, it's like, uh, you know, people from different worlds, and they can't be together because of their differences, but they ultimately probably will Um that's kind, of, that's kind of our setup for that movie. The animation looks really cool. The character design is really awesome. I'm really excited for it. It does remind me a little bit of Inside Out, though.
0: Oh, my God. Does it remind you of Inside Out? It reminds me of a totally different Disney movie. Um, but Inside Out's a good one. Yeah, I, I think the biggest issue I have with Elemental is it, is it looks a lot like a movie we've already seen before. Andy would say Inside Out. It says Zootopia. Um yeah. The idea of a bunch of yeah different creatures all, that are all humanoid, all living amongst each other in a high tech city that don't really get along, but do their best to like make do and 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 survive on systems that have been built around like the 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 uh, eccentricities is that a word of uh, all the different animals right like in, in Zootopia it's animals here it's elements. Uh, you may even remember the teaser; it's been out for a little while. Uh, our lead uh, fire character uh, gets on a like a like a subway train and walks down it and walks past a bunch of kooky characters set to a, a bouncy song from British pop artist Picard. Uh This looks okay. Uh, it, it looks all right, and and I don't think it's going to do poorly. But I do think there's a good chance Disney just puts this on Disney Plus again, which <laughs> I, I, I think will just relegate Pixar to like your Disney Plus dust, baby. Like you're not doing anything oh, in theaters. Man. Death uh, by Disney Plus. It's crazy, right? Like, but Disney is so pushing their Disney animated features that is the new direction. And I think they just lifted a lot of the talent from Pixar to make that happen. And now Pixar's new features are like, well, just stick it in Disney plus it's fine. Right. Like turning red, just throw yeah. it on there.
1: Some people have, uh, said that Disney has inadvertently trained audiences to stay home for animation.
0: That's, that's a hot theory. That sounds like a death of cinema topic. We should talk about that more actually. Cause I, I go for a lot of this. Disney Possibly anyway.
1: Be- because, because yeah, they put three of their last, uh, four projects. um, in on Disney Plus, that were supposed to be big theatrical releases like Turning Red, like uh, what's the jazz one? I can't even remember it now. Soul, Soul Luca, thank you. yeah, yeah. The, so, th- those were each supposed to be theatrical releases and they weren't. And so, audiences just kind of learned to stay home and now they're having a hard time getting people out. But I think Elemental is supposed to be a big summer release, so hopefully, we'll get people back in theaters.
0: I definitely had that problem with uh, Shazam actually. Uh... Christine wanted to go see it with me and she had something going on and I was like, Well, I'm just gonna go see it. And she she was like, oh, okay, yeah, that's that's fine. And I was like, I mean it'll be on HBO in ninety days. Like, if it do you really want to go see it, right? And spend three hours in a theater and fifteen bucks on a ticket, or do you just wait for it to come out and then you can watch it while you're doing laundry? Like yeah. it's 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 tough. And it's a shame that like animation feels like it's going that way. Um, because if anybody could should be on top of it, it's Disney. They're kind of the kind of the animation owners right now outside of what Dreamworks. In any studio they can't eat um, right
1: but then but then you can keep seeing like anime films do huge business like uh there was a, a demon slayer movie that came out recently uh there was this weekend a big movie called uh suzume came out in in china and has done huge business over there I, and actually i actually want to
0: talk to you about watching that for the show but that comes out in a while I, here we got kind
1: of i kind of i kind of <laughs> do it's it's yeah. in april actually i think yeah yeah so
0: um yeah, uh, animation's in a funny place. We'll talk about it more. Uh, with that, uh, we should move on to our next movie. I keep saying with that, like I'm going to transition into our next review. We got two more trailers to talk about. The first <laughs> one's from Paul Schrader. It's Master Gardener. Uh, I was not that familiar with Paul Schrader before I went and saw The Card Counter. I knew he'd done First Reformed, which has a lot of memes on on Twitter, uh, but I hadn't really seen more. I knew he wrote Taxi Driver, um, but card counter is something unique, and it looks like Master Gardener is in that same step. But Joel Edgerton uh, plays a meticulous gardener. Looks like uh, Ray Fiennes in the menu, right? Like just really particular. This is what he does. This is his life. Uh, and when asked by a client to uh, take her uh, young granddaughter under his wing and apprentice her as a gardener, uh, some realities about his past begin to come to the surface. Uh, I don't know what exactly is going on in Master Gardener, but it looks like tone, baby. <laughs> That's exciting. What I, you know.
1: <laughs> what I love about Paul Schrader is that his movies are never about what they're about. Like The card counter is not about playing cards. First Reformed is not about church. Um, this is not about gardening. Uh, the, he, he uses these different characters and occupations to talk about bigger things. The card counter is about the war on terror and horrific atrocities at Abu Ghraib prison. Like I had no idea that that's where that movie was going to go. First reformed is about environmentalism and kind of an impending doom that humanity faces. So I can only expect that the master gardener will be about much bigger things. It looks cool because we we have someone who is um, essentially possibly a former assassin or military that whose past might come back to, to haunt them. But we 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 see a scene of him in that we've seen in the last two movies of the male protagonist journaling next to a lamp, and I was like, I know it's going to be good if it has that scene in it.
0: Yeah, he's definitely big on the male protagonist journaling in a room quietly at a desk, like like every other male male protagonist in the world does. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll keep an eye on Master Gardener. We'll absolutely watch it for the show. If you want to hear more about that, uh, just hit that subscribe button and come back. Uh, you know, come back later when we talk about it. One more movie, Andy. You want to take it or should I?
1: I I got it. We saw a, a second full-length trailer for Renfield, uh, which is the Nicholas, but they're both named Nicholas, Nicholas Cage-led um, Dracula fe- feature. Um, Nicholas Cage, of course, plays Dracula himself, which is going to be brilliant. And Nicholas Holt, who we know and love for Mad Max Fury Road and a bunch of other, other films, will be playing his henchman, Renfield, who's kind of been... Uh, cursed to to wait hand and foot on on his master Dracula for the last hundred years and he's looking to get out of it but in a kind of modern twist he's like in therapy and he's trying to break this toxic relationship with Dracula Um, but this trailer has a lot of action in it and it looks kind of give us a little bit more of the tone it's definitely going to be an action comedy Uh, Aquafina is in it as well as a security person and looks like her and Nicholas Hoult will, will have a, a love story as well. But it just looks like so much fun, and looks so ridiculous. And Nicholas Cage in this the most ridiculous Dracula uh, costume outfit and look. I mean, he just gets to go off the way we love when he does.
0: Yeah, I when we had originally talked about this movie, I, I was excited about it because I we just read about it somewhere and we were like, hold on, Nicholas Holt and Nicholas Cage are doing a vampire movie. That sounds fantastic. Uh, And then the first trailer came out and I was like, ooh, okay, that maybe looks a little goofier than I expected. Second trailer looks way better. And I mean, a a good trailer will make the difference, right? Like between whether you perceive a movie as good or bad. Oftentimes people don't even end up seeing the feature. Uh, So I'm pleased to say trailer two looks a lot better. Than trailer one, even with uh, Creep from Radiohead over the top of it. Uh, I like that Nicholas Holt looks like he gets a little bit of a backbone in this one. Like the first one, he's just a total pushover. Like it's like a miserable protagonist to watch. And it actually looks like he's got some, you know, some legs. Uh, Cage gets a lot more opportunity to be... Like camp cage and campy is uh, there's a bit of him like possessing and exploding a priest <laughs> in this trailer <laughs> with like the goofiest body explosion I've seen and, and and like it's an R-rated feature and like I think that is where it's going to find its audience like if it's trying to do, to like advertise like a PG-13 crowd I just don't think you're going to get them like I think you need to lean in like yeah, Cage leaning in and go for it
1: I would have been so disappointed if this was going to be a PG-13. Feature not not that like blood and gore and violence is is what you need for a great film, but if you're gonna go for this kind of 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 camp, y- you're gonna have to make up for it with the gore. Otherwise, y- you end up in Megan territory, which which was fine, but that movie would have been a lot better as as a hard R. I I think.
0: Right, Megan. Megan knew exactly what it was, and like that's that's what people want. I think is like just authentic experiences. If you're gonna go for it, go for it. Right. If you're gonna if you're gonna be Megan, be Megan. If you're gonna be Avatar, be Avatar. If you're gonna be an R-rated camp comedy, like be an R-rated camp comedy. Don't phone it in, and like I think that's what's gonna work here. If it works, well, we'll have to see. It's it's a weird one. I don't know how it's gonna do at the box office. <sighs> but with that, we should move into our final feature. Uh, I'm gonna be taking the summary on this one, so please excuse my clumsy delivery. Uh, the movie is Shazam: Fury of the Gods. Champions of this realm can do nothing to stop us. You are very menacing. I
1: just want you to know that.
0: So Shazam 2 follows the events of Shazam 1 that we saw in 2019. Uh, Billy Batson uh, still turns into adult superhero <laughs> Shazam, but now uh, his whole foster family does it with him. save for the parents, of course, who are completely oblivious that all of the kids they watch all turn into superheroes and fly around and save Philadelphia Philadelphia is, of course, worth mentioning here because it's very much the setting of Shazam 2, much more than New York City in Scream 6, I'm happy to say. like It actually feels like they actually shot out there and did things. Uh, Philly is overtaken by a giant <laughs> a giant dome and an evil force uh, when three mystical, uh, mystical gods or goddesses, I should say, uh, arrive from an alternate universe of, of history and lore and mythology and, and Greek monsters. Uh, minotaurs and Cyclopses, all that kind of thing, uh to steal what I believe is a wizard's staff that then they, it turns into the Apple of Eden, that they got a plant to grow a thing. Honestly, it, it's it, a little complicated. It, yeah, <laughs> but, it but gets what's, super complicated. It gets really complicated. But what's important to know is Shazam, I think, has always been a bit lighthearted, right? A bit goofy, a bit comic booky. And Shazam Fury of the Gods. Firmly plants a foot in that direction by saying, look, we're not the Dark Knight. We're not the new Superman movie. We're certainly not a Zack Snyder film. We're something all our own. We're Shazam. And the question is, can Shazam 2 manage to grab and hold on to what Shazam 1 had? Uh, Andy, what'd you think? So there are things in this
1: movie that work and there's a lot that doesn't. It was kind of middle of the road, but it wasn't terrible. It wasn't like Black Adam where I was just like bored and rolling my my eyes. Uh, I think it has a strong cast and strong characters, but just the plot is all over the place. Like as you were explaining it, I was having trouble remembering because it's so convoluted. It's so complicated. The, The daughters of Atlas come down and they have to get this thing and then get this person and then break this thing and then plant that thing. And it's all excuses for you know to use a lot, a lot of CGI effects, um, which don't look all that great. Uh, but the, the, but there are parts that work. It's really funny. I think there are a lot of good jokes uh, that land. Uh, I didn't have a very full theater, but it, it would work pretty well in a larger theater, but just the plot is just all over the place. And I just couldn't really follow it. And I love this stuff. Like I I've read Shazam comic books. Like I'm, I'm very familiar with this genre and I love it. And I was still like, "Oh, what is going on?
0: I do want to talk about like this movie's positioning in the comic book like fervor that people have kind of fallen out of it seems lately along with where it is after Black Adam we talked about that a little bit last week uh, but I want to talk about it more Uh, towards the end of this review for now let's talk about the film right that's that's what's important Uh, so Billy Batson is growing up all right and he's soon going to age out of his foster home doesn't really know his direction right Uh, the movie actually opens with him talking to a a pediatrician uh, like a therapist uh, about this kind of imposter syndrome like hey I'm supposed to be the leader of these group of superheroes now and there's all these other superheroes like like Superman and Aquaman and Wonder Woman, but I don't feel like I match up to any of them. And then as a foster kid, I don't feel like I can really hang with everybody else, right? Um the movie doesn't really continue to run into any of that. <laughs> it actually pivots right around there. Uh to uh Freddie Freeman who is played by Jack Dylan Grazer in the movie. Uh you might remember him. He's from the first movie. He's the kid with the the crutch handicap and then he turns into Adam Brody. Uh, he calls himself Captain Every, Every Power in this movie, which is funny. Um, and this movie really, like, is kind of his movie, which is weird. Uh, uh, Asher Angel, who plays Billy Batson, he's he's got, like, four scenes out of, like, Shazam mode, which is Zachary Levi, right? Meanwhile, Jack Dylan Grazer, like, is all over this feature. Uh, he falls for a girl at school, uh, and it turns out that is a, a bit of a ruse, and he ends up being kidnapped and he loses his Shazam power, and Billy and friends have to save him. Uh, he gets a lot, a lot of opportunity to kind of like flourish on screen and do exciting things. Uh, uh, meanwhile, our three villains. Uh, I <laughs> this say, is getting so complicated. It's getting really complicated. I <laughs> yeah. know. I'm sorry. Uh, our three. I'll wrap it up. Our three villains, uh, played by Helen Mirren, Lucy Liu, and Rachel Ziegler, a newcomer from West Side Story, uh, all arrive, and they are. <laughs> <laughs> there to dominate Philly, uh, which is weird, and 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 take back the power that Shazam blue sky given. Beam. <laughs> yes, that's that's the whole thing. Yeah, that you can't see in any exterior shots, like because it's just a blue sky unless they actually fly up to it, and then you can see the barrier. But it's fine. Um, it's cheaper CGI that way. Uh, they are there to antagonize and and mess things up. And what's weird is like, I felt like a lot of that would play like in a normal setting for a comic book feature. If this movie came out five ten years ago, like I said with Ant-Man, like it would be fine. Like, and there's creatures at the end and CGI and magic powers and, and, and that's a wizard and that's all great. But like, I just don't like, I, it's just hard to care and it just feels complicated and I can't tell if I'm getting old or like the formula is getting old. Right. Andy, what'd you think?
1: I, I don't think it's easy. I think this is just the the plot is so all over the place, and it's like it was written with the intent of like you just using a lot of CGI because our characters are fun. Like everyone you were naming, Asher Angel, Jack Dylan Grazer, Adam Brody, the rest of the fa- like the family dynamic in Shazam is really fun, um, but the plot's just not going anywhere. Helen Mirren is very good, though. I did want to say that she's like treating this like it's Shakespeare, which she's a saint for doing. Like she. She really hams up all her lines. De- great delivery. Meanwhile, Lucy Lou is phoning it in. Like, she's so bland and so checked out. It's funny because I remembered her voice from one of the Star Wars Visions. Singing, and I was like, oh, that's where that bland voice came
0: from. Um, <laughs>
1: uh, Rachel Zegler is, is fine as uh, Anthea. She... Uh, she's kind of underutilized, I think. There's there's almost too many people or too many villains, uh, especially in in this movie. Uh, of course, the great uh, Jaiman Hansu as the wizard Shazam is also in a get So we we have really fun characters. We just don't know how to kind of put them together in a meaningful way. The movie tries to introduce some some plot devices or some overarching themes of like. Um, imposter syndrome or like Billy's afraid he's going to lose his family when he ages out of the foster program. But like these things are introduced and then put on ice for the whole movie until the very end. It's really bizarre.
0: Yeah. Like the first film had this whole like plot device, Billy Batson, like literally going around to houses, like with a list of, of names (laughs) like the Terminator and knocking on the, on the doors and seeing if it was his mom like who had left him when he was a kid because he was trying to find her because he was trying to find like acceptance. And like that actually was surprisingly well put together. Um, but this ends up just coming off a bit more as like, you know, a teen teen, teen love story like like Jack Dylan Grazer just like goes, just falls head over heels for this girl. And it's really hokey. And, like, those bits feel particularly cheesy. They're alleviated a bit by, I think, some of, like, the superhero stuff. Uh, Zachary Levi, who plays Shazam, uh, has a lot of opportunity to walk around in this big goofy suit with all the other, like, supers, like, in the family who are all there. And they're their, their goofy suits. And they're hanging out in the Rock of Eternity, which is, like, their headquarters, right? There's uh, The first time you see it, this big neon signs layer. <laughs> <laughs> like the so teens great. had put up and it's like, it looks like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, like, like sewer hangout. Uh, and in there there's like a mystical door that opens up to millions of other doors. And there's like a, a, a giant library with a pen that writes whatever you want. And like that, I think gives like a lot of substance to like have some funny moments and like have actually a couple like clever fights. Like there's one scene where a monster bursts through one thing. It's like, that all that all I think kind of works. But like the drama outside of that's real dry. And it's 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 not it doesn't help because the plot is is like phenomenally complicated. Like much more than it needs to be, uh for for what's actually happening. Um like I said, I, I at one point I realized the villains and, and the heroes were, were like both chasing after an item. I didn't actually know what the thing did. Like I I don't know, I have lost <laughs> the plot. And I've seen a lot of movies, right? Like I, I feel like I should be able to keep up okay. It's just a little too complex.
1: Yeah, it, there's just too way too much going on. Like I said, the, the, there's too many characters, I think, over, overall. In in the first one, the family was a little bit more in the background, but now they're all kind of super superheroes. And so it's just a lot of people to keep up with and have on screen. That also leads to just a lot of not great looking uh CGI. Uh There are a bunch of CGI monsters that eventually pop up. There's like this big tree that's like spreading throughout the city. And it's just like kind of overkill. There's this wooden dragon. Uh, None of it looks super good. And uh, it's just excuse for for the to have our superheroes do something. Um, It's just kind of bad. Also, (laughs) the product placement in this movie is like shameless. Absolutely shameless. Yeah, it's rough. Zach, take it away.
0: Uh, No, you're absolutely right. Like the product placement feels like a cheap TV show, which is funny because that's where uh, Zachary Levi gets all his experience, right? Like playing Chuck on the NBC sitcom Chuck. He did that for years. Uh, And he definitely falls into that role really well as like the hapless everyman who now has this like greatness thrust upon him and has to try to like figure out how to make it work. And he's funny and he's like humble. But like he just comes off as a little dumber than I think he was in the first movie. Uh, he's it's so the, dumb. Yeah. It's it's the Ash from Evil Dead problem, right? And every subsequent Evil Dead movie, Ash gets dumber. Up to like Army of Darkness, when he's like one of the three stooges. Whereas the first one, he's like a reasonable college kid who's like got a head on his shoulders. The second one, a little goofy but tough. Like, and, and this one is he's kind of in that space. Like he's he's tough, but like he's not that funny. <laughs> <laughs> like, a lot of lines don't really land, like whereas in the first one I felt like okay, like he's he's you know he's a kid and he's growing up, but like they don't they don't thread that needle as good here. Like he he feels a little too disconnected from like his Billy Batson counterpart, who again is barely on screen. Like God, I feel bad for Asher Angel. Like he must have gone to set so many days seeing Jack Dylan Grazer on the on like the call sheet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just never, <laughs> just never on there, man. It's crazy.
1: Yeah, Jack Dylan Grazer has the the real drama, the real world problems. He he is worried about aging out of the, out of the foster program, kick, being kicked out of the house and the fa- and the family. When that happens, he he's worried about the imposter syndrome of not feeling like a, a superhero. Um, but yeah, for some reason they make when he turns into Shazam, he's like a moron, and he acts like a thirteen year old, not like a seventeen or eighteen year old. And it's just it's really bizarre. And the thing is, the comics aren't like that. Like Billy Batson is, you know. A younger person, but he's not a moron. It also in the comics they kind of just keep him in Shazam form most of the time because that's that's a little bit easier <laughs> to, to to deal with. Uh, but they've gone with this, uh, you know, big like the movie big, um, dynamic for this, and it, it's like kind of starting to not work.
0: Yeah, it, it really isn't. I, I do think like one more thing I want to say like I do think this movie does make an honest stab at being a quality comic book feature in a way that a lot of comic book movies don't, right? Like, I feel like a lot of comic book movies, especially on the Marvel side, will hearken back to elements in the comics, but they kind of phone it in, doesn't really reach out and grab it. Whereas I feel like a lot of the things that happen in Shazam are probably very honest to Shazam comics, which I haven't read, so maybe I'm wrong. But like, the the Rock of Eternity, like their lair, right? Where the whole Shazam family hangs out. The whole Shazam family, right? Like all of them being there and having adequate screen time. Like they feel like their own little like Avengers or Justice League, um steve the pen that writes all their magical letters for them like shazam's ability to bounce in and out at will like all of that feels very much like it came right off the like like right off the page but i just don't think people want that anymore like i don't like i i I don't care it's that's not enough to get me excited i I need something different like same is not good enough anymore
1: shazam was a character that he he needed his own for solo movie that we got to introduce the character, but then he should kind of be a side character from here on out. He that's how he is in in the comics. He's largely part of the larger group ex- efforts, but he and I think more recently he's probably had some solo runs, but he works better as, as a supporting superhero.
0: Yeah, and if you get Shazam as like a supporting hero in a movie, like you probably get away with not even hiring Asher Angel. he will just use a Zachary Levi version, right? Like that'll be. That'll be the whole thing, which is again criminal because he's fine in the first movie, but like they just went a different direction. Oh, I think that's
1: yeah. I think that's what'll happen from here on out if they use this character again. They're just going to leave him in Shazam form.
0: One more thing I want to talk about for recommendations, though. I feel like if you're listening, you probably have an idea of where we're headed with this. Uh, I want to talk about this movie's position, like after Black Adam. I, last week, I kind of asked about. it. I said, Andy, what do you think? Well, you, Andy had seen it last week when we did the show. We just kind of did real, real quick, soft first impressions. And that's where you thought it was like following black Adam and how black Adam might've affected this movie. Uh, there's been a bit of a dust up, like online uh, since with Zachary Levi, making make an Instagram post saying that uh, the rock uh, fun- functionally saying the rock tanked this movie. Like he, the rock decided he wasn't going to be at the end of it. And, and Shazam was not going to show up in the rock movie. And going to be two different things. And I wonder. Do you think the do you think Black Adam took some of the bluster of this? Is it just that it was four freaking years and the pandemic, like lost all the smoke for Shazam? Like, what what's happening? Why why do you think people are just not? Or, or is it the format? Little... Is it people just don't care about this this comic book thing anymore? I th-
1: I think it, it took too long to come out. Four years after the original, it needed to come out two or three years. Um, I think it's kind of all of the above the the rock complicating things. Black Adam is the nemesis of Shazam. He's the one who should be in this movie. He was supposed to be in the first movie and then the rock got involved and didn't want to play with the smaller name people and superheroes. So I think that's definitely hurt things. Luckily the rock has kind of, because black Adam did so poorly, uh, I don't think anyone really wants to work with him or think he's, you know, just let him call, call the shots. Um, I don't think people people are are tired of, of superhero movies. They're tired of mediocre ones, uh that's for sure. And other movies are doing better things. They're like, you know, things like Top Gun or Avatar or John Wick or Scream. Uh you got other movies trying to raise the quality of what they do to kind of compete with it.
0: Uh one thing's for sure, like <laughs> it is it is nothing short of hilarious how bad like the Black Adam bag fumble has turned out for <laughs> Dwayne Johnson. Like he dude, he's come off as a villain so bad. I think a lot of people are starting to turn on that, like warm impression they had of him. They're like, Oh yeah, Dwayne Johnson's a great guy. Now they're like, I don't know, man. Like he kind of grabbed the black Adam situation. It did not work out. And apparently he was tough to work with on fast and furious. And like, I just, I I don't know. Like he's come starting to turn into a bit of diva, you know, behind the scenes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he was calling the shots on who could and couldn't be in his movie. And, uh, who could be in others like he said he wasn't going to show up in the shazam movie um, and then just man just, just way too much control for someone who's not proven in the superhero space
0: so it got, so got uh, edward norton thrown out for a while he was real finicky about being in the editing room on all of his movies and uh, after he did hulk marvel was like we're not doing this and uh, pushed him back a ways but regardless uh, we had to talk about whether or not shazam's worth seeing andy would you recommend Shazam: Fury of the Gods?
1: I would say save it for streaming. Uh, definitely, if you're a, a fan, if you're a comic book fan, you're probably you've probably already seen it. If you're unsure, uh, just wait till till it's on HBO Max. It's uh, it, there's no no reason to run out and see it. It does have good characters and a, a good cast. They're just kind of wasted on, on a plot that's confusing and doesn't really go uh, nowhere.
0: <laughs> yeah same boat way for streaming like if you want to see it I, honestly i don't think there's anything here that's like really stellar you need, you need to turn it on and watch it anyway um, but when it comes out i mean if you like the first shazam and a lot of people did very warm reception on the first shazam like throw you know throw throw in a load of laundry and put this on you know you'll be fine you fold full while you watch the Shazam fury the gods if anything seeing it on a small screen might help the cgi <laughs> yeah I'll,
1: I'll, yeah sometimes things look better on on tv on the small screen that than they do on the big screen and vice versa
0: yeah watch shazam shazam fury the gods best watched on your phone for sure (laughs) yeah in in portrait mode um (laughs) with that we should wrap the show andy what are we watching next week
1: portrait mode uh dungeons and dragons (laughs) honor among thieves that's the big new release comes out this friday march 31st theaters only starring chris pine And a cast of others. And we're also going to be taking a look at the Oscar-winning documentary, Navalny, about the poisoning of uh, the Russian spy, Navalny, and everything involved with that. I've heard this is an excellent documentary. Uh, It's only 100 minutes long. It's on HBO Max. So we're going to check that out and see how it is next week.
0: I feel like I can already hear the comments. I can already see them. People are going to be like, Navalny... Why don't you go watch something exciting, right? An HBO documentary. First off, all right, one Best Doc. And secondly, y'all don't know how hard Andy and I have been grinding, all right? We've been seeing two movies in theaters for weeks, and it's summer, right? We're about to roll into, like, the big stuff. So this is a welcome, a nice break, all right, for the two of us to watch something that's already award-winning. And if you want to hear what we think of Navalny or what we think of D&D on our monthlies, Thieves, you're going to have to come back next week. Easiest way to do that is just subscribe. Subscribe to Offscript to get it straight on your phone every single week, right? On your favorite podcast outlet, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, iHeartMedia. I think you can ask your Amazon devices to play us and it should work, supposedly. We're going to have to test that, actually. Uh, it's fine. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook where we live stream the show uh, every Tuesday right around 5 p.m. Central. Uh, we're on YouTube where we upload our live streams and individual clips. If you want to get uh, bite-sized off-script delivered straight to you, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, you know, we're on all the usual podcast outlets. You can follow us there. We're on uh, the internet at uh, all of those places, along with God, speaking of bag fumble, uh, mail at offscriptfilmview.com is where you email us for correspondence, and offscriptfilmview.com is our website. Andy, I got to get out of here. I'm I'm falling apart. I'm coming apart at the seams. Uh, From all of us at Offscript, the home of Bolt Cinema, I'm Zach Lewis.
1: And I'm Dr. Draper.
0: Thanks for watching.